This podcast is brought to you in part by Shorewinder, the industry-leading tool for winding residential and commercial springs with a cordless drill. Let us shoulder the burden for you. And check us out at Surewinder.com. Hey guys, before we get into the show, I need to let you know, not only do I own a garage door company, I also own and run a marketing agency. If you need help with your marketing, make sure you contact us at 404-445-3494 or check us out at garagedoormarketing.co. That's garagedoormarketing.co. What's up, guys? Ryan here with Torsion Talk Podcast, and today I've got a uh, first-time guest on with us. Adrian, I'm getting a little echo. Oh, is it? Okay. Uh, so I've got Ivan with Choice Garage Doors. Ivan, what city are you in? If you want to call it a city, Afton. Afton. What state is Afton in? Close to Binghamton, New York. Afton, New York is a very small town. We're rural. Gotcha. Okay. I met Ivan at a really nice dinner. Shout out Somer. What's up, Somer? Uh, We got, we get spoiled by Somer a lot when we go to, (laughs) there you go. We get spoiled by Somer when we go to shows. Uh, There's a, there's a little bit of a love fest going on there. Uh, They take us out to dinner. Well, one of the dinners that I went to, Ivan was there and, and, uh, we really got to pick each other's brains and, and help each other out around the dinner table, which was great and enjoy really good food. So shout out Roman. Thank you for that dinner and the introduction to Ivan. Uh, so Ivan real quick, before we jump in, how long have you been in the door business and how'd you get started with choice garage doors? So since 2012, so however many years that is, that's uh, what eight years coming up, yeah. uh, coming up on. Yeah. Um, nine. I just, I just jumped in. I've always been in, I grew up in some sort of building industry, right? So helped my dad build several houses. And so in the construction industry in general, replacing vinyl windows and doors. Um, and I want to start my own business. So I quit my window and door job and decided to do doors and um, jumped in. You know, I did odd job carpentries. There's always a lot of that around. So my door business got going. That's how I got started. The short of it. Very cool. So you started Choice? You started Choice yourself? Yes, that's okay. correct. So you didn't take over it or anything like that, I guess is what I'm nope. asking. Nope. And I, you know, I hardly, I hardly had any, tra- I'm very mechanically minded, but I basically had no training. I remember the first door I did, it took me, I think, a day and a half. It was a little headroom hooking up to existing operator in a basement. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I got you beat, but I didn't have a low headroom. Mine was 11 hours and I had no training on how to install a garage door. So, uh, I, I, I tell the story often. I had four and a half days of training. It was all repair and openers. Uh, so when I opened up the, the hardware box, I was like, Oh, great. I don't even know what to do with this. So, uh, that was a challenge for sure. 11 hours door and motor it was a nine by seven. I think it was, um, that was my first door. But, uh, so Ivan and I exchange a few messages every once in a while, but he and I are uh, on a Facebook group together and I just want to share some of his posts that he made, which intrigued me and made me want to bring him on the show because I think a lot of people are in this same scenario 
So uh, Ivan said, I feel stuck. How to, how to get clear processes in place that enables my employees to uh, quote an invoice repair jobs on the spot on their own. Uh, currently have two part-time installers. So he goes into a little bit of that. Um, talking about also have one bookkeeper data entry um, that he's got part-time. Part-time, very only several hours a week. Yep. Um, he says he thinks he needs a service, uh, like a service software, and trying to decide what to use. I'm probably holding on to uh, tight, too tight to QuickBooks Desktop and the way I use it to handle inventory and use tax, uh, tax on purchases that get incorporated into capital improvement projects. Most software does not sync with QuickBooks Desktop well, uh, so how do some of you guys handle use tax? How do you account for inventory of weather seal, openers, stock doors, etc.? Currently, I record punch angle, um, weather seal, openers, and the use tax for them in QuickBooks, desktop, invoices. So uh, I haven't found a service software that will allow me to do that. I'm trying to simplify things, but simplifying is not my strength. How are some of the ways you handle these challenges? And so, um, you know, timely comment, right? And, and you tagged me in Torch Talk Podcast because we're talking about uh, home service, like dispatch software. And uh, you listen to House Call Pro, Jobber, and Service Titan. And um, so I wanted to bring you on and just kind of talk a little bit about this. Before we dive into the software portion, I want to just pick on some of the other things that you said so I can get clarity and everyone else can get clarity. Uh, what about, like, give me the feedback on why you feel stuck specifically. So it's my biggest challenge right now, or the biggest thing right, right in front of me is simply how, how to come up with processes that, that, that enables my employees to do things, um, to make decisions on the field. I don't know. It's just, it, there's too many jobs where I, I'm wearing many, many hats. I'm doing estimates. I'm doing everything. And I, I hear this, uh, one of my favorite podcasts that you did was with, um, uh, um, what's, what's the name? The guy, one of your, one of your first clients with such and such media. Oh, you're talking um, about Jag and Sons, Greg? Yeah. Jag yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, his first podcast is like, yeah, I heard that. And it was like, just so much in that that just really resonated with me. So just the challenge of going from a one-man operation to more than one-man operation and how to delegate, how to come up with processes where not everything depends on me because uh, I feel like like there's a funnel. Like I'm, I feel like my guys could go so much farther if I just um, gave them the right tools and the right even training because I'm so busy I don't take time to train. Yep. but also processes that enables them to, to, to go farther. That's, does that make sense? Absolutely. Dude, this is podcast gold. Like I was going to let you just keep going as long as you wanted to. And the reason why I say that is because um, I think so many businesses are in your same position. As a matter of fact, I've been in your position probably 10 times and you're going to find yourself in this position over and over again until you really figure out how to get out of the way and allow the people that you trust and hired to do what they do. 
and yes, there is training and accountability and all that stuff. But I think this is bigger than just like software, right? And so we're going to talk a little bit about that and then we'll get to the software side. So as a business owner, I talk to so many people. Like I get hit up, honestly, almost once a day at least. And, you know, a lot of the the conversations I have are, are similar to this. You know, hey, I see that you are uh, growing your business and you got all these tips through the podcast. How do I find time to to implement this stuff when I'm so overwhelmed with everything I'm doing? And, you know, I think the key is, is just, you know, one step at a time, right? Like uh, first you want to map out your, your goal, figure out where you're trying to go and then backtrack and figure out what steps it's going to take to get there and start with the smallest step and work your way up to the big steps until you get to where you're trying to go. And you may be ready to change directions halfway up that ladder or the stairs or whatever you want to call it. Um, But at least you get the ball rolling forward. So, you know, first of all, all three of the people who work for you are part-time, right? That's right. I think that's probably one of your biggest challenges. You know what I'm saying? It is a challenge, but it also, yeah. It's an opportunity for you too, because it allows you to regulate and, and control expenses. Uh, But, more than that for me is is a midway point where yeah exactly because it is expenses but not only that it's like you know my part-time guys are more flexible like like i was right before the pandemic i was i was right on the fence i was going to hire a full-time guy who had like five years experience residential um and you know that's a commitment it's that that's that jump of Am I going to be able to have work for him? Getting work has usually isn't a problem, but yeah. it's managing. Yep. And I don't know, you know, I don't think I can live life like you do. You seem to be able to get by with less sleep than I do. I don't mm-hmm. do well with that. I, so I've got to really manage my stress. Man, but, yeah. And so that's, yeah, that's. So I don't think the sleep is the problem. I think you'd be surprised. How much sleep do you think I get at night? Well, I've heard on your podcast before, but that was before you had a general manager. Yeah. I don't remember exactly what it was. I just know you worked a lot. Yeah. Uh, you, you were working a lot. You probably still are. So when I was younger, five hours was all I need. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my 30s, I moved that up to about 60, or I'm sorry, six hours. Uh, now I sleep about seven, uh, seven to eight hours a night. I think the older you get, your body just demands more, right? But I go to bed some nights at eight, some nights at nine and some nights at 10. It just depends really. Uh, if I go to bed later, I sleep in a little bit, but I like to get into the office, uh, between five thirty and six. That's my goal. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, that person that you interviewed. Did that person fit your company culture? You know, I don't really know. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> it's hard. It's, it's, yeah, I've listened to podcasts about culture that I, I met with him several times, talked to him several times. Um, I think he would have, he was kind of a quiet person, but I, I think he would have. Okay. The key when I'm interviewing people, the very first thing I'm looking for is will they fit the culture of the company? Are they positive? You know, because if you be in such a small company, if you have one person, they can suck the life out of everybody there, especially being so small, if they have a negative personality, right? 
Um, then as far as you're concerned, like with the stress and, you know, everything, a lot of it is, you know, we don't see it as owners and, and don't take this the wrong way. Right. Cause I'm, I'm, I literally I just figured yep. something out, but, but I'm going to kind of punch you in the teeth a little bit. A lot of our, us as owners were the reason that we're struggling, right? Uh, you yep. are bottlenecking your business. You're exactly, trying to yeah. play it so safe by controlling your expenses that you can't grow because you won't get out of the way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Do I do that, Eric? <laughs> does it sound familiar? I know what you're saying. Yeah. I feel like I see the bottleneck. Maybe the problem, maybe there's a problem with me more so than I see, but uh, it's, yeah. So here's what, and, and here's what I'm, I'm going to share with you, an experience that I just went through that's really shined a light on this for me because I was bottlenecking us. Right. So I had a couple technicians, we call them service professionals. Sorry. I had a couple service professionals on residential. I had, a service professional would install and repair, right? Most of those guys just do repairs, but we kind of consider everybody in the field as a service professional. That's kind of our, yeah. our terminology. Yep. Um, but for, for the podcast sake, I had, I had a couple technicians. I got, had a couple uh, installers I had one uh, door salesperson, and then you know I had a general manager who was playing a dual role as a commercial guy, and then I had um, a uh, commercial technician, commercial service professional. Um, we we really, I, I would look at it and I would say, you know what, we can't afford to hire anybody else. Um, I'm sorry, you cut out a little bit there. What was that? We couldn't afford to hire anyone else. Because we were kind of like our expenses and our revenue were too close and, and we, we just weren't set up for it. So when I, when I changed the way I viewed it and I started hiring revenue drivers, so I hired a uh, commercial salesperson, uh, I, hired another, I hired really two more salespeople. We're really heavy sales focused now and it's completely out of control. Like in a good way, uh, we're selling that like bad to me. Nah, I, it's great. Right. I want to make sure I got my ducks lined up and then I know. Yeah. Right. But that's, that's, that's the bottleneck. Right. So Ivan, what's the bottleneck? Not having enough of sales. Well, if you think about it, your idea of having all your ducks in a row, which almost probably never will happen. Right. Until, you know, you're not putting the pedal to the metal until, you, you know, you get there. Um, there's a lot that can be said for that, right? And so what I'm saying is, is that when I made the decision to commit to sales and get out of the way and, and really focus on the people and let them do what they do best, our company jumped up about $50,000 a month almost overnight. And now we're seeing incremental increase month over month, but it was amazing how that transformation took place. And, and really the only difference was instead of looking at the books and being like, I can't afford to hire somebody. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, a an expense problem. It was a, it was a sales problem. It was a revenue problem. Like it was, we weren't selling. So, I mean, we were selling, but we weren't, there's so much more that could be had. So mm -hmm. I got to a certain level in our business where I was comfortable with how much expenses I had. Well, 
maybe uncomfortable would be the right word, but I didn't want it to go up anymore. So what I did was I kind of throttled it back a little bit because I'm like, oh, this is kind of feeling uncomfortable, right? Like I don't like paying 200 grand a month for expenses. Well, the problem was is that my, my revenue was too close to my income and now I'm in a position where I'm like, okay, well, what's next? What's next is you get out of the damn way and you hire salespeople and sell jobs and grow your business and push forward because if you got the capacity, you got two part-time guys, I imagine both of them would probably be willing to go full-time, right? Uh, probably not. No. It's okay. Working, working well, I would uh, say. Okay. But then you have another guy that you interviewed that you have on the hook that you might even be able to go back to and maybe offer him a job. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think the key is, and, and, and this is, I'm, now. I'm, I don't, you can't do it now. I said like you keep cutting out. Oh, do I? It's I don't probably know, because it's my network. I don't know. Yeah. You have me on speakerphone or like a speaker. Uh, yeah, just the, the, uh, yeah, the, that's probably why, um, if you have something you can plug in, it'll probably be better. But, um, so with the, um, and the only reason I'm going down this path is because I've had this conversation like two or three times here recently. And I feel like so many people can hear this, right? Is that we get comfortable and it gets scary to add to the bottom line without any guarantee or commitment that it's going to do well. But Ivan, you're smart enough to make decisions that are going to impact the total revenue line. And I think you're smart enough and frugal enough to control your expenses as well as possible. Um, but I think a lot of times as business owners and this, you know, maybe I'm off on you, but this is a conversation I'm having a lot now with a lot of people is we're bottlenecking the business because either we're comfortable or really uncomfortable with the expenses um, or we're in the way. Uh, we won't get out of the way and let our team do what they do best, or we're not equipping them properly to do what they need to do. And that's part that's, of our conversation that's right there. Equipping my guys to do what they do. That's the biggest thing for me. Like if I had, yeah, that. So what do you think it is? Like what, what, what could you equip them with right now that would make a difference? Coming up with a process that enables them on repair jobs to, uh, so a recent improvement was I came up with a checklist. I used to not even have that much. A, a uh, safety and performance checklist for residential and commercial it would apply to both. I do a good bit of commercial, actually. Um, uh, repairs, that is. Um, so having that checklist definitely helps. But then being able to, from that, pull a quote. Okay. Or create a quote. Yeah. Now this, that checklist, this, is that uh, written or right. you're not using any software right now for that checklist? No. No, it's paper form. Okay. So you can absolutely do it that way, right? Uh, it's going to be a little bit uh, more time consuming to build out your quotes. I think whatever, writing everything down. And then you have. I do do my quotes on, on, um, on software. Oh, you do? But, yeah. What software are you using? It's very simple and it's, I'm on the way out with it. I'm looking for something better, but it's invoice ASAP. Okay. It's basically it's, it's, it's very basic, Just uh, estimating, but you can easily email estimates. The customer can approve it. You can capture signature. It has some nice features, but it's strictly estimates and invoice and payment receiving. 
Gotcha. All and right. Things with Linux desktop. Yeah. So, so it also sounds like you're totally committed to well, you're you're almost committed to desktop, uh, QuickBooks desktop, and and uh, I guess the process of switching it over to online is is that what's causing you heartache or the fact that you'll lose the inventory portion? Cause I don't think they have that online. Um, see if I can articulate your question here. So really I'm used to QuickBooks desktop. That's what I'm using. If I find something better, I'll switch. I tried several years ago to QuickBooks switch to QuickBooks online. Mm-hmm. And I quickly, quickly did not like it. Had to re-enter a bunch of data, you know, any it's frustrating because a switch is a big it's a big deal. It takes a lot of effort to switch to anything from something to something else. And it's really hard to know how you if the software's gonna work for you until you do make the switch. So right. it's really hard and it's also I found it frustrating. It seems like most software like you really need to just looking at the features isn't it's not sufficient to really make a decision. You really have to get your hands on it and feel it and see what it'll do, I think. But at the same time, the more you learn, you know, the better it, more comfortable you become with it. Yep. So QuickBooks Online does have inventory. It looks like it's a new feature, but they have it. So so, so it's, I'm pretty detailed. I'm detailed and, and, and I'm, I need to, I believe I need to let go of some detail, but I want to, yet I want, I want accountability. I want to be able to, I want the books to be right, you know? Yeah. Um, that's where, yeah, I really probably need an accountant and I'm heading that way, but yeah. Yeah. So I think if I were you, I would look at the thing that's causing, like, what are you not good at? Where do you spend the most amount of time with the least amount of effectiveness? And I would start hiring and delegating those things first and then really start to focus on where you can put that extra time to where it's going to drive revenue. Maybe that's sales. Maybe that's driving around meeting, you know, going and checking on some of your commercial repair customers that hire you, uh, you know, checking on your repair, checking on them, seeing how business is doing, you know, asking them, Hey, in a time like this, this is what's been great for me is we're asking our customers, how can we support them during this difficult time? Is there anything we can do? Can we share your business on Facebook? You know, like, I mean, we're just trying to be really open about it. Really hiring. Hiring has been a good experience. Back to when I was a one-man operation, and I went to part-time for a while. Eric worked for me a while, and then we went back to a one-man operation, and now I'm back to hiring again. And hiring has been a nothing but good experience. It really has. And I'm more free to do those types of things than than before. At one point, I had a salesman, too. Uh, but... Um, it's been a good thing. So that's, but I need to go farther with it. And, 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 and basically my guys can go out and install a door, no problem. But I feel like I haven't given them the tool to do the repairs and also the commercial repairs. I've thought about just quitting commercial, not doing commercial because the residential retrofit space is where we're very comfortable with. I can send my guys out. They can install a door. It's not a problem. You know, it's the commercial stuff and the repairs that, Maybe it's bottlenecking with me, with me just not sending my guys out, but it's, I feel like I haven't given them the tools they need to do it competent, com, com, competently. Get the word out. Yep. <laughs> competently. <laughs> so. so let me ask you this. Um, have you tried just sending them out and seeing how they do with the, Oh, yeah, I've, sent, I've sent them out. Um, some, yeah. How do they do? And overall it's good, but it's, again, it's the process. It's the ownership. 
How do I give them the ownership? Maybe I'm not giving that to them, you know, to make calls. The ownership and the, the what they need, you know, I love the, I heard other things on your podcast or something, you know, where a great a business that's running the way it should basically doesn't matter who the customer talks to. They could think they're talking to the owner. Right. I, I right. want that, but I'm not sure how to get there. You know? Yeah. I mean, I that's think bottlenecking with me somehow, but some of it I think is giving my employees a system or a process, a price book, all that stuff takes so much time. Yeah. You know, and, and hundred percent, Yeah. you know, that's, I need to, I have all these to-do lists that I just never get to. Like, yeah. um, I want, I want a kind of like a manual for the trucks that has, you know, some, some help for inf helpful information for different operators and stuff like that for diagnosing and, you know, just some helpful info, but also a price book and the whole, whole gamut, you know, everything that they need, they can find quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all these are things that you are expressing that I hear every single day. Um, first and foremost, you've got to figure out a way your goal after we get off of this call needs to be changing your focus from working in your business to working on your business. You've got yeah, to I've get that. <laughs> you have to get out of the garage. You yep. cannot, you can no longer be in the field. So if you're at the point where that's why you, I should commit quit commercial jobs. That's why yeah. I should turn down commercial jobs. I mean, maybe that's it, right? I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe you hire somebody to handle those commercial jobs. Uh-huh. Or or you know, maybe you you know, maybe it's a transition period. Maybe you continue to take them, but you take one of your guys with you every time you go and you yep. start teaching them. And you I've know, been doing that some. I think you know, if you want like to equip your team and you're wanting buy-in from people I think the first thing, and, and I know you seem very comfortable with the part-time and maybe they are too, but I think you need full-time staff. The part-time thing, it's worked well at our stage, but it has its pros and its cons. Right. The pros is going from one man operation to more than one op man operation. Another full-time is a big jump. Yeah, of course. Whereas but it's also can a, make a big jump in your revenue. Now, Eric's been working with me for, for several years now. He's quite confident in installing that. But the cons is it takes so much longer for somebody to really learn something thoroughly if they're only working three days a week, Yeah, you know? So you just made my paint point for me, right? So I was going to say, if you have a full-time staff member, you can, mm -hmm. you can literally, when, you, when you're faced with decisions, you can pull them aside and say, hey, I just had this uh, decision to make here's what I decided and here's why I decided it so that if you ever come across it, you know how to handle it. Somer is a European based garage door opener manufacturer who has recently opened Somer USA out of Charlotte, North Carolina, serving more than 90 countries worldwide with our 40 years of experience. Somer produces one of the highest quality openers on the market. Combining German engineering and manufacturing, Somer uses direct drive technology to make their openers and opener accessories durable, long-lasting, quiet, and with the maximum lifting force. Further, Somer has earned both IDA and DASMA certifications by maintaining the quality and innovation standards set in place by national and international garage door associations. Maintaining these standards has allowed Somer to create the most versatile operator on the market, featuring unique optimization and diagnostic tools to make their operator perfect for every job and every customer. For more information on Somer operators, visit somer 
USA.com. That's S O M M E R dash USA.com or contact their Charlotte office at 877-766-6607. Bifolding overhead doors are simply cool. Therefore, if you install one, you too are cool. All kidding aside, Swice makes the best bifold door on the market. So when you have an opportunity to sell a bifold, check them out first. As a matter of fact, bifold security doors are hot right now. If you check out their website, bifold.com, you can see hundreds of ideas on how businesses are using bifold doors. They have tons of photos on their website. They've supplied doors, bifold doors, for restaurants, basketball stadiums like Golden One Center in Sacramento, retail stores, and even spectacular homes. These doors are a game changer and a statement piece. If you want a project that will draw attention, sell Schweiss door. Tell them Ryan with Torch Talk Podcast sent you. Visit bifold.com. That's B-I-F-O-L-D.com. Yes, of course. Well, but it also can agent, make a big jump in your well, revenue. Is, now, Eric's been working with me for, for several years now. He's quite competent in installing that. But the cons is it takes so much longer for somebody to really learn something thoroughly if they're only working three days a week. Yeah. You know? So you just made my paint point for me, right? So I was going to say, if you have a full-time staff member, you can mm-hmm. you can literally when you when you're faced with decisions, you can pull them aside and say, "Hey, I just had this uh, decision to make. Here's what I decided, and here's why I decided it." So that if you ever come across it, you know how to handle it. So I, I do that with my team, and we also have one of the greatest things we ever did, hands down, single best thing I think we ever did, was start a daily huddle. Yeah, we do that. 15 minutes every day. We talk about the schedule. I ask why. You know, we, we talk about what, why, when. Um, and, you know, we any warranties, we'll say, you know, hey, why did we have the warranty? What was the problem? You know, w- how could we have changed it? Uh, you know, and so when did we install it? And uh, so, you know, we, we pick those things apart and – you know, it does multiple things. It teaches the whole team, number one. Number two, you know, the people who aren't doing a great job in the field, they're they're held accountable because they're kind of getting called out a little bit in the meeting. Not in t- excuse me, not intentionally, but uh, you know, it's a it's a group meeting, right? And we're not hammering on them. We're just like, hey. But if every day we have to be like, hey, why why are you going back again to this job? Why are you going back to this job? Why are you going back to this job? And it's the same person all the time. It's not going to be any secret when that person's not there anymore, right? So, and you know, I think uh, I think the key for you is you're definitely bottlenecked, right? And in, in a couple of different areas, and you're hitting that glass ceiling, and your head's like, you know, just starting to hurt. And and there's risk to being a business owner, and there's almost more risk to staying where you're at sometimes than moving forward, um, because you know. It just is like, that's my experience. I feel like anytime you are a business owner and you're not moving forward, I feel like you're moving backward. So well, that's, you know, that there, there's, I think there's a lot of truth to that. For me personally, my goal for the business isn't necessarily to be a big business. I'm not a strong yeah. pusher, but I do care very much about customer satisfaction. I've got excellent reviews. And if you do a good job, your business is going to grow. And then this is what happened to me. The business grew and grew and grew beyond my capacity. Then I start get stressed out and frustrated. 
you know, and that's, you know, if you're at that stage, there's a one-man operation. Um, it looks impossible to bring somebody new in because you don't have time to train them. Yeah. But they can shadow you. But, you know, yeah. So exactly, though. Yeah, I think. So you passed why. on that guy before the pandemic. Why did you pass on him? Or was it because of the pandemic? Well, Eric, Eric works for me part-time. He was building a house. He asked to take off for the winter. He's like, I was like, you know, he said, even if he doesn't, he understands if he can't come back, he needs to take off, finish his house. He'd been building this house for a number of years. He's like, I got to finish this house. So, so I get, you know, so he he did that. And so I was uh, certain the winter before the pandemic, winters are always slow. I I always stay busy because I do repairs, right? Mm -hmm. Myself. Um, But that's why I was like making plans for 2020. And I came up with a, a pl- business plan, writ- wrote it out. Uh, first time I'd ever done that. And um, I felt like I needed to hire somebody. And so that's why uh, the reason I passed on is the pandemic. I was kind of trying to figure out if this is the guy or not. And then the pandemic came in. And about the same time, another friend of mine was uh, at, was looking for some work, some part-time work. and. I knew the guy well. Eric is a good friend of mine too, and and uh, so I kind of took on the two part times. Eric was willing to come back and took on the two part times instead of the one full time. But yeah, yeah. So I took the opposite approach. I hired like four or five people. Uh-huh. Uh Of starting in like I think it was March or April, I started on a hiring. Uh, I started hiring people up. Yeah. Um, I've never heard a whole lot about when I mean probably more when our our our, our conversation at the IDA IDA Expo or that supper a summer supper probably more where I heard about your startups and anything. But I've often wondered about you know you kind of started. I mean, you had different vision than I did for your business when you started, but still you started you know kind of as a one man show, right? And, yeah. And those beginning, the beginnings is yeah not that we need They're to get yeah, I mean the beginnings are humbling. They're scary. I remember the first time I hired somebody full time, I took a pay cut, which I was already making pennies. And you know, the second person took a pay cut. Third person, I took a pay cut. You know, fourth and fifth person, I think was when I really started like not having to take a pay cut, but it was just tight. Um, I don't think I could afford to take a pay cut at that point. So, I think when when we get uh. I think when we, as business owners, we get so focused on the tactical that we really forget the big picture, right? And, you know, the idea is, do you want to be in a garage forever and run your business? Because it's really hard to run your business from a garage. I mean, unless it's your office. Um, But if you're out changing springs and doing doors and sales and all that, I mean, that means the business as a whole is not moving forward. (laughs) We've been... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're outgrow- we've outgrown this place, and I've been contemplating building a pole barn, but I don't want to build a pole barn here because my family's outgrown the house. We have four kids. We have two. Well, well I'm not three, talking about your office. Two and a half bedrooms and one bath, and but my wife is really strong. We're in, we're in the country. We're not in a city like you are. Yeah, my wife fine. is really strong on. She wants the business to be at home, and she's pretty set on that. That's fine. I'm, I'm not so so much, but. So we're looking for this, a place, right? So where we can have a house and a shop and have the business and the house. Yeah. 
And I think that would work perfect, right? I don't see any problem with that. I just think that when you're out and about and you're in the truck on the way to a job, you know, you're at the job talking to the customer, you know, you're not, you're not talking about being in the garage. Is that what you're meaning? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, my business from my garage, (laughs) my my doors are in the garage. No, no, no. Yeah. So what is your vision for your company? What are you trying to be? Okay. We're, we're, um, well, I have a vision statement to be known as the, to be known as the best store company to work at and to be the consumer's choice in service, innovation, and integrity. I like that. The service, innovation, and integrity, those are probably the three biggest words that describe us as a, as a business, I would say. Integrity okay. is huge. So, some of the best warranties, integrity is huge. Um, I'm going to challenge you on the innovation. Innovation is big too, but at the same time, when I was starting way back, I like to brainstorm. I like to come up with solutions for customers. Well, you get too many of those difficult jobs, and we have a lot of them here because we're upstate New York, a lot of crooked old garages, a lot of framing, a lot of, you know, and you get too much of that. uh, It takes a certain kind of person to take on some of those projects. Yeah, yeah. So I look at innovation as that, but I also look at innovation as uh, taking risk being yeah. innovative in your, uh, the ways you do business and operations. So, so I'd love your vision statement. That's freaking great. Do you have, um, do you have core values that you've created? No, haven't got that far. Maybe I started on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would challenge you, like, it sounds like you're still in a place where, I mean, we just did our core values. We're in year five and, uh, we just did them. So no knock on you, dude. I mean, what, what I would say is well, obviously I've kind of been mumbling along. I mean, you know, yeah, my gross sales has been greater last year, 2020 than they ever have been, but 2019 was lower than 2018. Yeah. And my net sales, that's was a bottleneck problem. I, and the reason is, it's because I didn't have the guys like, yeah. like I, it's because I didn't have employees. That was what held me back. Yep. And the only uh, thing, I had a great salesman. He moved to North Carolina. He was he was part time too, but he was he was like a business mentor. He's the greatest guy ever. Um, Peter Richardson. He was wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So, I would say if you could look at your business from fifty thousand feet, and I think you would find a lot of areas that you could almost immediately improve on. That you would then look at your business and be like, "Wow, I could be doing double what I'm doing now." And it wouldn't be that much harder, that much more difficult if I were to make these small changes. Basically, yeah. Right. Basically, I've I've had this sense like I know small some small things make a huge difference in a business. I mean, I looked Correct. just from 2018 to 2019. You know, it's a big difference in gross sales and in net profit, and I'm like. I know there's just some things that I'm not seeing here. Yeah. I see. Well, I, I see it's more things, difficult. That is. Yeah. It's more difficult to see though, when you're in the truck, you're talking to customers, you're in the garage, yeah. right? You're yes. seeing all the tactical stuff now. And so you're working in your business yeah. and mm-hmm. that's great. I think that's wonderful, dude. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. I think, I think the idea is you can now build processes down to the finest point because you, you, you know, your process, you do it. So you can document it. You can hand it out as a guide to your team. You know, you can have them shadow you for a couple of days, learn your processes, learn your talk tracks, how you deal with customers. So you can do all of that. But 
you won't see the big picture until you genuinely pull yourself out of it every day, the grind. And like, maybe you get a whiteboard. Maybe, maybe you set your goals. Have you set goals for this year? I haven't, not for this year. I did last year. Yeah. So um, maybe last year, the reason why you did so well is because you set goals. I believe there's power in words. There's power in writing things down. So, uh, I, I mean, there's so much that you're not doing because you're in your business that I don't think you're going to like, this could be another 2018 for you if you're not careful. Right. But it could be 2019. Sorry. But it could be, you know, you could, you could be greater than 2020. It all depends on what decision you make. You're at a crossroad right now. Right. And so you've got to make some tough choices. You know, do you bring somebody on? Do you not bring somebody on? Do you stay in garages? Do you come out of garages? If you pull out of, like a lot of guys are afraid because, you know, maybe you don't have like all the business um, uh, degrees and everything that a lot of business owners have. I don't think you need all that. I'm a high school dropout. I dropped out of I high school. I learned everything I, everything I know I learned from my dad. My dad's a great guy. Yeah. So Although I'm more, I'm more, I'm more bookie than my dad is, but my dad taught me a lot. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you're, you've been in your business. Now I think it's time to work on your business and genuinely figure out who you want to be, um, you know, what your goals are, create your core values for what you're going to stand on. And then I think you define who your ideal customer is. Like, who is your ideal customer? Is it middle class? Is it upper class? Is it this part of town, that part of town? And then I think you design your website and your image and brand completely around what those customers would like. I hear you there. And you target those people like crazy, right? And then... Although, from, as a whole, my our area is going to be a lot different than yours. But I'm yes. sure. Yeah, I understand yeah. that. Uh, lower end, higher end, and I, exactly. I hear what you're saying. Yep. And then from there, right, then you really get into the weeds if you need to, and you start looking at different software that, you know, because software can bottleneck you too, either doing yeah. it on paper or not doing it at all. You know, I know people who do it things on paper, and I'm like, dude, there's no way you're not missing out on opportunities. There's no way. I mean, it's impossible. So I think with having software, it keeps you organized. You can also market to those people. Like I've probably got our last newsletter that we sent out. I got probably nine or 10 replies that turned into appointments. And I think I got cussed out once. So, but I'll get cussed out once for nine or 10 appointments uh, every month. I'm totally cool with that. Right. So, uh, but you got to let go and trust your team and um, set your goals, do everything we talked about. And I think at that point, you know, as far as the software goes, I think QuickBooks desktop is so archaic and Mm -hmm. like old school. I would tell you, get off of it, go to a cloud-based program. What do you use for your accountant? We use QuickBooks online. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I don't do they, anything they unless it's cloud-based. What's that? I don't do anything that's not cloud-based. If yeah. it's not cloud-based, I'm not messing with it. The yep. inconvenience of not having a backed-up database uh, or you having to send it to me in order for me to see it uh, most updated, um, I don't have the patience for that. Like, I would yep. rather shut my business down. I'm just, I'm, I get irritated with stupid stuff like that. Technology is yep. so great that it can speed up everything, right? 
I've got so many automations built into my business that yes. I probably have two less employees because of all the automation I have, all yep. the organization, all the processes. I mean, I, I, and I'm still hiring up because I want people, I don't, I don't want a dispatcher. I want an inside salesperson that also handles dispatch. So when yep. the phone's not ringing, I want them making phone calls to customers that, that have hired us in the past, you know, and, and you could justify somebody on your phones like that if they're making outbound calls and generating leads to your, from your existing database. Um, you can justify marketing, uh, you know, hiring a marketing company. I've talked to many really small companies lately who are on the fence about hiring a marketing company. They talk to me about bringing us on for a website and SEO. A lot of these companies are fairly new and, and, you know, I tell them, I can't make this decision for you. You got to make it yourself. But the idea is, you know, can you justify it? Will it drive you more business? Do you believe it? And if you believe it, then you got to jump and it's not an easy jump, especially when you're new and you're just getting yeah. started out. So, uh, I, I think you'll figure it out. Yeah, I think that, I think uh, so too. And I've had that in my mind. I've been seriously kind of leaning towards hiring you, your company to do marketing for us. Uh, my biggest drawback is one, my wife thinks we should, we can probably do it in house, you know? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> and, and here's, yeah, I'll and be and honest with you. The other thing is, is do I have processes in place that enables us, us as a company to handle more work that, you know, that's marketing has, in other words, marketing is, Maybe my, yeah, my maybe my perspective is wrong, but marketing to me isn't the highest priority right now. Yeah, and and if it's not, it's not right. Uh, I think with marketing, it's uh, I'll give you guys a shocker here. I think I've mentioned it in other podcasts. I outsourced my marketing in year two. I hired a marketing company um, yeah. because I didn't have such and such, and and you know was I happy with them? Eh. Not really. Like it was on no, autopilot. Your background is probably really hard to be happy with them. <laughs> well, I mean, they set they set the expectations. I knew what I was looking for, and we had a conversation. And it just kind of like you know, the first six months was great, but then after that, nothing really was getting done, and so I was getting frustrated. But I hung in there for another year, which I probably shouldn't had. Um, and then I just got frustrated and was like, you know what? Screw it. If they're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. So I started such and such media and, and the idea was, you know, I wanted, I wanted full-time staff working on my website and my marketing stuff. And, um, and although they're not full-time working on my stuff anymore, cause I'm, <laughs> I'm actually one of the smaller guys, uh, that we work on. And, uh, so we're not actually spending as much time on my stuff as, as I'd like, but you know, it's made a huge difference and sure. huge difference. So, but I, this isn't about marketing. This is more about you and the processes. So let's talk uh, really quickly about software and then we'll jump off. Um, so Ivan, if, if I were to give you advice, let's say you're a family member and you call me and you're, by the asking, way, I have a two o'clock this afternoon. I have a, an appointment to, uh, with, with, um, house call pro. Nice. Good for you. So I say 10 more minutes and we'll jump off here. But, but my advice to you would be, um, Switch to, to, I don't care how much you dislike it, S switch mm -hmm. to, to QuickBooks online. Okay. Um, I'm open to that. I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm very open to that. And, yeah. or other, other, or other accounting software. 
However, there's some things that I have to know how I'm going to do. I got I really need an accountant to talk to talk talk about some of these things. Like I've always done my own accountant. I file my own taxes. I have. I used to do taxes for clients before I started my door industry. Um, but I'm ready to hand that over, and, and I'm planning to. The, the, so you the, know what um, you sound like, right? What's that? You know what you sound like, right? Hardcore do-it-yourself work. hundred <laughs> percent. We're going to do I our am, marketing ourselves. We're going to do our books ourselves. We're going to do our taxes ourselves. I'm going to fix the doors belt. myself. I'm going to sell the doors myself. I'm going to do. Nope. Yeah. So here. No, I'm changing. You <laughs> are changing. Change. Yeah. So it, otherwise you're going to drive yourself crazy, right? Because there's no way you can balance everything yourself, especially right. if you're growing. It's just impossible. Right. Exactly. And so, and, and so I don't know if you struggle with this, but not everybody's going to do it as good as you either. That's right. Yep. Right. I think so, I'm all right with that. Am I? I'm not. I'm a professional. <laughs> I want said, to be okay with it. Did right? he say no comment? Good. He, I taught him good. He, 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 when he puts a door in, it's right. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the deal. Like, you know, I think I talked to a lot of business owners who, who are concerned about that. I mean, if that's a big concern, hire somebody, free you up, and do random uh, quality control checks. That's what I do. You know, I drive around to customers' houses and uh, knock on. You know, I, I schedule an appointment. Oh, you said you said hire somebody to do that, or you or you do that. I actually, oh, yeah, I was doing it all the way up until I think December, um, and and yeah. I'm working on something now that's keeping me from doing that, which we're going to announce yeah. soon. But um, yeah, I know you got something coming up. I don't know yeah. what it is. It's big. <laughs> Big, huge. What is it? What isn't that what Trump's is? I could guess, but it's gonna I be the guess, biggest I could ever. Make some guesses, but I better not. It's gonna be the greatest, <laughs> the best ever. Something you've never seen. The biggest. There's a lot of things that I've heard it's on your podcast huge. that I've implemented that have helped me a lot. Good. Your podcast has been great. I listen to it a lot when I'm in the truck. So, uh, how stuck are you on inventory? Cause you're actually really small. I'm not quite sure. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of doing inventory, but, uh, that seems to be something you're hung up on. So, so inventory. So what are you saying? You think I just scrap the inventory? Well, I mean, you, it's you and two part-time people. I mean, you could literally just do that on paper if you really wanted to. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't quite get it. Like, so what I'm saying is get, almost if, any accounting software can do inventory. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I paper if you if you can get a software to do it that's fine but i wouldn't let that keep you from moving forward right um inventory is great i love it i think it's wonderful it helps you know when to order helps you keep your team accountable because you know they know if they take something it's going to be found right and so that's not really for me the biggest thing with inventory is it's accurate Uh, accurate my profit and loss is going to be very accurate right yeah so i mean but but, I buy a pallet of some, I buy 30 plus openers at once from summer, you know? Yep. No. So here's what I would say. Go to QuickBooks online. I would probably suggest house call pro for you. Um, and make sure when you talk to them, by today, the way, house call pro will sync with QuickBooks desktop, but I'm almost leaning towards your, I appreciate your input. I, I you, you're, I mean, you don't is, have to download something in email in order for somebody to like get the most updated version. Right with QuickBooks online. You have to what? So QuickBooks desktop, uh-huh. how does that sync? So if you have, let's say it's you're- a one-way book- sync from House Call Pro to QuickBooks desktop. And I think you have to do it manually. So it's kind of yeah. clunky. It's not It's not real time. It's me every day. Yeah, you know? manual is not the way to go. So no. you want to automate the systems and processes as much as possible. 
Go yeah. to online, sign up for House Call Pro, go all in, right? And and what I mean by all in is you don't have to spend like days implementing. But but what I am telling you is when it comes to dispatch software, uh, you can roll it out in phases, right? So yeah. some people get so overwhelmed with stuff. Pick the thing that helps you operate now. Get that set up. Build your processes around it. Roll it out. Work on it. Figure out the bugs. Figure out the issues. Fix them. Then go to phase two and have the phases defined. And you may have to change them as you get down the path. But maybe phase one is just simply booking appointments, having the guys use the the built-in form, and uh, building quotes in there and uh, invoicing and taking payments, right? So that's phase one. Phase two is maybe price book and, you know, maybe price book's just a full phase by itself because that's a pretty big task. Maybe phase three is, um, you know, uh, setting up reputation management because I think they've got some functionality for that. Um, Then phase four is, you know, the next thing. So if you try to freaking eat the whole elephant at the same time, it's going to be a lot and it's going to be overwhelming and then you're not going to really do anything great. So roll it out in phases. That's my recommendation. And they may tell you different, but roll it out in phases, pick what you can handle your, your small operation, get really good at it and then move to phase two and then move to phase three and four. And eventually you have a dispatch software that you're using pretty effectively uh, with QuickBooks Online. So if you have somebody that's virtual, they have the most updated uh, numbers and books, yeah. and you never have to yeah, worry about... Online enables, yeah, enables even a, another company to yeah do things for them. My brother does. I have brothers who uh, do excavating, yeah. you know, and they switch from desktop to online. So for where you're at and, and what you're trying to accomplish, um, I would definitely say uh, either House Call Pro or Jobber is going to be your best bet, personally. Yeah, um, I think you'll maybe eventually. I'd really like to connect with Linda Anderson. I had a good conversation with her in at Oregon? IDA Expo, but I never finished it. Uh, I've yeah. got her contact. I'm sure she, she wouldn't mind she, if I shared it with you. She's checked into so many softwares and she's sharp. A lot of different software. So yeah, she's out. Is uh, she's out in Oregon? Is that right? I mean, uh, California. Oh no, it might be Oregon. I think she's in Oregon. Yeah, I think it is Cal. It is Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. yeah. So listen, uh, I hope some of you guys got something from this. Uh, I enjoy listening and, um, you know, providing advice, right or wrong. <laughs> you guys can figure out yourself. So, um, but Ivan, I've got no doubt, man, you got a lot of passion for your business and you're going to do great. Yeah. I'm curious how you do your residential repair job pricing structure. And um, a plumbing guy some time ago, sold me on uh per item pricing instead of per hour i'll never go back to buy the hour again yeah i don't like it just works uh, we do flat rate pricing for repairs yeah so you have so so you have a labor item and a part and yeah. And, and yeah that's how i do it yeah flat rate labor yep. flat rate part a lot better at it a lot better with it customers get uneasy when you say well x amount of dollars an hour and you can't tell them how much you know it's yeah, yeah. I mean, all right, I'm starting my clock now. Don't answer the phone. Don't do anything. Don't take any breaks. Yeah. I want you to work. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, thing, this is something that that plumber had said, you know, if you do it by the hour, if you take your, send your best guy out, um, you're getting penalized. And if you send your worst guy out, the customer's getting penalized. Correct. You know, it's, it's just, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I I, I charge um, as much as I can. All my commercial rate. stuff is one of the hour, but yeah. Yeah, commercial is a little bit different, I think. But, um, you know, I, I'm constantly changing my prices. We actually just had a meeting recently where I was like, hey, guys, you know, we're seeing an increase in springs and, you know, we could we could really, you know, I think we can charge more for our spring changes. And one of my service professionals uh, suggested we bump our, our spring prices up $50. And that's a pretty big jump. Uh, Is that a labor or material? Uh, we applied it toward the labor. Uh, yeah. So, so I was like, okay, done. I'll go in and change it. And so I changed it in service Titan and we haven't had any kickback. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, encourage- it, it, you know, there's so I'm telling you, especially young guys starting up a door business. Let's say they used to do be a star and then you go, it, it, we undervalue ourselves hundred percent. And, 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 and people think we tend to think, we can't charge more. You can't charge more. You don't know if you can't charge. You don't know. I put my price up and it doesn't make a bit of difference. I put it up again and it doesn't make a difference. Yeah, you, yeah, you. Yeah, it's all about your confidence though. Like, if yes. you raise your price and then uh, you complain, like you feel like exactly. it's expensive. When you say it, it's going to feel like it's expensive. Right. And so if you use words like, "Oh, well, we normally charge," or um, you know, it's going to be, you know, if you do that, if you say, "Look, my spring changes are three fifty, and here's what we do for that," and yep. And that works really well for us. Um, and, yeah. and we're just That's confident yep. and we don't really care. If you don't want to hire us because we're too expensive, fine. Go find somebody cheaper. I That's don't right. care. It's okay. <laughs> My feelings are not hurt. If you yeah. want the best, hire us. That's what's important. And so that's yeah. that's where we try to focus is, you know, hiring customers who care about the experience. And, and you know, guys will say, well, springs don't cost that much. Why are you charging three fifty dollars for a spring change? Because I can and because I want to and because my customers are willing to pay it because they know we're going to do a good job and it's peace of mind and it's convenience and it's experienced certified service professionals that are coming out to your house that are insured and have training and they're going to treat you right and you don't have to worry about them stealing from you or whatever and and I mean. There's a lot of reasons, and I think 350 is cheap. Both of my part-time guys are, I can put 100% confidence in them. Like, they are, integrity is, yeah. It's good. But, so, um, you know, and I'll just hit on the fact one last thing. I I feel like we, as business owners, have to be careful with the fact of not everybody's going to do it like I do it. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I know this sounds horrible, but it's got to be good enough. And my Mm -hmm. standards are so high that I literally bottlenecked us in the beginning because I felt like even though I didn't have as much experience as some of these other guys, I wasn't leaving a job until it was perfect. And I knew that employees weren't going to do that. And I had to get to a point where I was okay with that. Um, And, and we've got to be okay with that. And then we got to hold these guys accountable to doing good enough work. Now, when I mean good enough, I don't mean like, okay, it's just barely working. I mean, good enough for your satisfaction, right? Good enough to please you. Not perfect, but just good enough to make you happy to know that this door's. I've seen some crappy installs, like really bad, that are 12 to 15 years old, you know? I mean, yep, exactly. if my guy installs it and it's not quite as good as mine, it's probably going to still last, you know, 15, 20 years on a crappy right. door, right? So, I mean... Okay, is that good enough? Yeah, it probably is. 
So can I ask you a couple quick questions? Sure. I didn't hear that. Yeah, go ahead. Hit me. And if you don't want to answer, that's fine. Or if it's anything. No, you're fine. um, Open book, dude. uh, (laughs) So your your repair techs or whatever you call it, you know, guys go out and repair a door. Um, What happens if, and I get into a good bit of this, where, all right, it's a repair or maybe a replacement. Can they quote a door on on site? Yes. Um, See, that's, I have to. I have to enable my guys to do that. That is why can't they right now? What's that? Why can't they? Well, I haven't given them a price book. Why not? What? Why not? I got a lip read. My speaker doesn't. (laughs) Why? Why? Why haven't you? Probably because I haven't, I haven't made it. A priority, I guess. There's been things I've told Eric I've been wanting to do for several year, year and a half, and I and Eric's like, "You got to do it. You got to do it." And I like, "Yeah, I need to do it. I need to do it." But I'm but always. But you know what you're telling field, right? them? Right. Yeah, you know what you're telling them by not doing it <laughs> is you're letting them down, right? Yeah. And that affects him. Yeah. That affects your culture. Makes him feel yeah. like he's not as important. I trust me. I'm speaking from yeah. experience. This isn't me trying to tell you because oh, I'm I perfect. I'm telling yeah. you because I did it. And I sucked and, and my guys suffered for it. So yep. what I would tell you is definitely do what you say you're going to do or don't say it at all. Um, number one, number two, um, mm, I would say you need to have a, you need to have, if you can't have a price book to him by the end of the weekend, then you need to enable him to be able to get the prices himself. <laughs> yep. Honestly, straight up. There's no reason. Right. Build you a spreadsheet. Put all the most common doors that you guys see. I don't know, I don't know how to do spreadsheets. I'd like to learn. I mean, I'm pretty. Uneducated. Get a Word document. Get a Word yeah. document. Put put you know uh, eight by seven Pandor. You know whatever's the most popular. Put put your top ten or fifteen most popular doors on there with with your your retail price, and it includes vinyl trim and installation. Whatever whatever you need. And let the guys, you know, just sing off that sheet and anything outside of that going forward, you know, they can just call you or whatever, but let them do it in the field. That take, that'll take you 10 minutes. You can even write it down take a photo of it and text it to them. Just the most, 10 most popular doors you guys sell. Yeah. Was that a question? <laughs> this audio is bugging me. I'm sorry. No, it wasn't a question. I'm sorry. My headset isn't working, but at least Eric can hear it now because it's on speaker. So good. Yeah, you're good. So I would say just just so if you didn't hear me, write down the ten most popular doors oh, that yeah. you sell. Get it to your guys in the field so that yeah. they can quote them. Although my market, I'm telling you, there's not a lot of standard. We do all kinds of odd sizes, but yeah, but that's true. You got to have still. some commons. There's yeah. definitely commons, and 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 let them look. Eric's smart enough to realize, hey, look, this is this is between this door and this door. I'm gonna hit them somewhere in the middle, yep. right? I mean, he can figure that out. Give yep. him the freedom to figure it out. Yeah, freedom to make mistakes too. Yeah, I've, I've made an, I've made I've made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> Let them make mistakes. Why not? Yep. Right? There's a cost to an education. You can either go to college and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, or you can let them make a two hundred dollar mistake on a door, and teach them, and then they know. But right yep. now, you're not letting them go to college or make the mistakes. <laughs> That's right. Next question. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to decide which one I want to pick, you know? Just go down the list. 
How do you compensate your guys? Uh, Very boy. I was always thought I, I thought I'd do piece work, and Eric was good with that. But we never implemented it because it's just so easy. If one guy's out installing a door, and another guy can come help a little bit by the hour, it just makes it a whole lot simpler. Yeah, so it's simpler for you like for it. sure. Yeah, it's easy. Um, but what I do is I customize a comp plan pretty much to every employee. I know that's crazy, okay. and my lady hates it who does my HR. But <laughs> not everybody's motivated the same way. That's um, right. So I kind of customize plans. Some are very similar to each other. I try to keep the core base the same, but I'll modify a whole comp plan. I'll build a comp plan that's completely just dedicated to that one person. During the interview process, I ask questions, qualifying questions that help me better understand yep. know, what motivates them. Yep. Hey, Adrian. I would be very. Can you mute your out of time here. microphone on your computer? Because I'm getting feedback from yours. I would be very interested in seeing your, uh, even just a screenshot or whatever of your safety and performance checklist. I came up with one recently. Um, it's pretty long and detailed and definitely something I should have done three years ago or more, but, uh, I would, yeah. Yeah. I've got I, a safety inspection. I'll, I can share it with you. It's not a problem. I use red, yellow, green. Yeah. Um, you know, I ask, I ask qualifying questions that help me build a quote. Like when's the last time you had your door serviced? That's yeah. the best question you can ever ask on the phone, book an appointment. Somebody says, what Hey, you say, what you can never ask. Uh, the best question you can ask is when's the last time you had your door serviced? Yeah. Uh, if yep. someone calls in and says, Hey, uh, my door won't close. I think it's my sensors. Great. When's the last time you had your door serviced? Right. Uh, because you don't want to go out there and adjust the sensors in 30 seconds and then, you know, be done. And then you're like, well, you know, it's a hundred and something dollars for me to come out. That's not a good experience for them. It's not a good experience yeah. for you either. Right? Like you don't want to do that. So what we right. do is we say, you know, when's the last time you had your door serviced? And when they say, you know, we, we haven't, uh, are you supposed to do that? Uh, we say, yeah, that's actually something you should do annually. As a matter of fact, what we'll do is we'll come out, do a full safety inspection, make sure the door is in good working condition, diagnose the problem, and then we'll we'll repair it for you. Um, the charge for us to come out and do a professional diagnostics with a certified service professional is one twenty nine. Boom! I've secured one hundred and twenty nine dollars. Now my guys go in the garage. They may see that it's the sensor, but they don't know that something else isn't wrong. Right. So we'll get the door down. We'll inspect the whole door. And I just started going through that checklist and you know i find things i didn't before yeah absolutely most guys are going to walk in fix a sensor charge or just leave right but then yep. we get in there and we find out oh well look at here the cable's fraying um yep the the and then uh, it breaks and then, yeah yep. the sprocket on the motors you know you're starting to see all these grindings from the the shavings from the 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 sprocket or the gear and the the sprocket's starting to lean a little bit so if you're thorough, you can find other things and it just doesn't become like this uncomfortable question where you're trying to ask for a hundred and something dollars for going out and fixing a sensor. Um, and yeah. I think people appreciate that because you're being thorough and doing a good job. What's next? Again, there's, this is another question that is going to get 101 different answers if you've asked it on Facebook, but I'm curious how you price your doors. Like some guys, I'm thinking about simplifying mine. I have a system, my door markup plus my labor, plus my weather seal, plus my punch angle. Uh, I think it's a little too detailed. Maybe I could simplify it. And I hear some guys are doing straight straight markup. Mm -hmm. 
I'm not sure about that, especially in my area, because I charge more if it's a wooden door I'm taking out or if it's a steel door I'm taking out yeah. or, you know, yeah, it's just curious. Not that there's one right way to do it. Nope. So I base everything off of margin. I do margin selling and I, on cheaper doors, I, I like to get 50 to 60% margin. That's on, before your labor though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before I labor. Mean, yeah. It doesn't really matter, but yeah, my labor's marked up a lot too. But, but I like to get 50 to see, like if it's, if it's a pan 16 by seven, I, I don't want to do that job for three or four or $500. Um, technically not worth it for me. You got to send a salesperson out. They're going to measure, spend time building a quote. Then you're going to send an installer out and then heaven forbid, you got to make a third trip because the section is right. damaged or, uh, you know, bottom seal or whatever. It's not worth the headache, right? I, I can do one repair and make, make that same amount of money or close to it. So, so what I do is I take, I right now, a lot of my doors are right around 40% margin. No matter it's a pan door or a urethane door. And, and then, but then, but I add a labor onto that. Uh, I mean, I add. That's good. All price, you know, yeah. for double, you know, double car door or install, I don't know, it might be around 600 or 500 or something. Good job. Yeah. Heck yeah. That's great. I mean, if you're getting 40, 45% margin on a door and then you're, you're charging, you know, five, $600 for installation, then I think you're doing great on doors. Um, yeah. I would say, I would say that me personally, I just don't like installing cheap doors. So if it's anywhere under two grand, I'm going to try to mark it up as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And then if it's two grand or more, I'll start coming down in small increments. So maybe if I'm at three grand, you know, in that scenario, I'd probably be at, you know, 36%. If I'm at four grand, I might be at 34%. Um, if I'm at, you know, 10 yeah. grand, I might be at 32%. I've, I've done that with some of the higher, like overlay doors. I haven't even done a lot of overlay doors, but the overlay doors I do mark up less. And it's been hard for me to know what should I be doing here? I don't, yeah. I don't, I still don't know, you know, but I, I tend to mark them up less, not my 40%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think the more expensive you get, I think you drop it a little bit, but, um, for retail customers, I try not to go under 40%. Yeah. And that's why I think we get along well with retail customers. I've kind of, my, my goal has been to, to do more. Um, I, we're running over our time here. Remember we should cut this off to do more new construction because easier jobs to send my guys out on. Right. Yeah. I hate I new construction. We haven't done so good with implementing it. And that seems like it might be kind of a price game and not as easy. I don't know. I'm not sure it's as good as I thought it was. <laughs> I hate new construction. I, I honestly hate it with a passion. I don't want to do it ever unless it's high end and they're willing to spend money. Uh, yeah. But I'm not going below probably 35%. Um, so if you don't like yeah, I'm that, not sure you have to in my market, I'm not sure that you'd have to. Yeah. Good for you. Well, listen, uh, yes, I think, uh, this is good content for the podcast. I think some of our guys will really appreciate it. There's probably a couple nuggets that people can take away from it. Um, Ivan, I appreciate your time and commitment to doing this. Uh, I kind of put you, you. I kind of put you out there. Right. And, um, and, and we went into some detail, so I appreciate your transparency and willingness to share. That's really important. So, um, Guys, if you guys see Ivan in any of the groups, give him a shout out. Uh, let him know that you appreciate his time today and willingness to uh, to share his challenges and some things that he's working on uh, for the betterment of the industry. And so uh, for listeners, I definitely want to make sure that you know that I care about you guys and really appreciate um, your support. And uh, I need everybody in the industry who supports our podcast, uh, make sure you like our Facebook page. We're about to make a huge announcement 
and uh, we're about to do something big. It's going to be huge. I signed <laughs> up for it. You signed I, up for I, the. I saw it on Facebook. I signed up for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, we're doing a uh, early announcement, and uh, you can sign up for the early announcement here soon. Uh, actually, now on the Facebook page, so you'll be one of the first people to know, and you're going to have a chance to win a thousand dollars. I mean, I'm just going big. Go big or go home. Anyway, <laughs> sounds like Ryan to me. <laughs> yeah, all in or nothing at all. That is me. Yeah. All right, uh, Ivan, <laughs> Eric. Thank you. Uh, and before we came on air, Ivan's daughter was there. She uh, she had a birthday, and I told her happy birthday, but it wasn't on air. So we officially have a happy birthday. What was her name? Sophia. So happy birthday, Sophia, from everyone at Torsion Talk and in the garage door industry. She turned seven or eight. What did she say? I, uh, eight. Oh, okay, Ivan, you got to know that off the top of your head. Oh, but yeah, I'm, I'm bad with my numbers. I'm <laughs> All right. I got I'm keeping after my kids. <laughs> well, good luck with your uh, meeting with House Call Pro. I hope it goes well. And let them know that you uh, uh, you found out about them on Torsion Talk. I will. Yep. And I did, too. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.